0: details of my life
1: are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. No, no, no. Oh, Michael Brown. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid.
2: I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Ms. Lewinsky.
1: I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1D4 damage as my half-elf
0: mage wields his plus-five holy avenger.
2: And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public no more secrecy that's a commitment i make to you as president
1: Uh, the michael graf show it is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment some people are just too stubborn to know when to quit And this guy just happens to be one of them. He's been beaten down repeatedly by God's practical jokes. He's been banished to the deepest, darkest corners of the internet. From somewhere in desert urbania, this is Michael Groff in Exile. No more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. Okay. Hey, uh, welcome in. It's uh, another edition of Michael Graff in Exile. It is Thursday, January 7th, 2010. Broadcasting to you live from this uh, America's fifth largest city, Phoenix, Arizona. I wonder, uh, can't wait for that census data... See just how big the uh, metro area is. Wonder if we'll pick up another congressional seat. Yeah. Oh boy! All right. Well, we've got a lot of stuff to get into. Needless to say, on uh, today's podcast, including I'm I'm going to continue to do this. I'm going to continue to lobby for somebody in government to get fired. Somebody in Homeland Security, Janet Napolitano, needs to get fired over this snafu uh, regarding the Northwest Airlines flight from Amsterdam to Detroit that happened on Christmas Day. And the fact that nobody's been fired yet shows a lot of tough words, a lot of tough rhetoric being sent out by the government, but absolutely no concern, no real action And once again, we are demonstrating a very reactionary means to fighting terrorism and to securing the country. Wait for something to happen and then react to it. That's how we roll. No, I I think the system worked. I I could not agree more, Janet. Janet. All right, and uh, we have the broken, more broken promises by your illustrious president and mine, Barack Hussein Obama, who promised more transparency, and here we have more closed-door meetings between Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid on the health care issue, even though at least eight times on the campaign trail and even after he was president-elect, Barack Obama uh, repeatedly... Gave us these promises that uh, all this stuff, all these, uh, all the issues, uh, all the healthcare issues would be seen on C SPAN. He made that abundantly clear, and yet here we are seeing closed door meetings, and yet this is the most ethical Congress ever. Let's see, also on tonight's program. Parent of the year We have a, a nominee already here in 2007 Seven days into the year for parent of the year A uh, Not just parent of the year Father of the year Now this Boy, I, why didn't I think of this Also um, Whacked out Girlfriends, whacked out women In the news And not just Janet Napolitano either. I mean, like, even more wacky than her. Maybe we could make them the head of Homeland Security. There should be a position open very soon. And a whole lot of other stuff. I have to tell you this. This is a funny story. Speaking of Homeland Security. So at the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport, I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if you've ever gone through there. It's a big airport. It's a very busy airport. Um, believe it or not, it's one of the busier airports in the United States. And uh, it's, I've told uh, a few interesting stories about some of the things that go on at the Minneapolis airport before. But this, this has got to take the cake. And this is just showing our vigilance to security. So at the terminal, the big terminal that they have there, uh, which is the, uh, the Lindbergh Terminal, I believe, is what it is. It's sort of the equivalent of uh, Phoenix's Terminal 4. All right, so at the Lindbergh Terminal the other day, they had a little situation develop when people were claiming their baggage off of a particular carousel, and there was one beat-up pink bag One of these like old school, like Samsonite, one of these old, like really old beat up pink bags that just kept going around and around the carousel. And we're always told those announcements come over the uh, airport PA system all the time about how if you see anything suspicious or if you see a bag that's left unattended for a prolonged period of time, whether it's in the terminal somewhere on the baggage carousel, whatever you're supposed to report it. So somebody um, said, gee, uh, what's with this bag that just has been sitting there forever going around and around? So, of course, the, what what what's the smart thing to do? The smart thing to do is to evacuate the terminal, get everybody out of the baggage claim area. Not only did they get everybody out of the baggage claim area, but also the ticketing area that's above the baggage claim. They, they got everybody out of there and they shuttled them all outside and you can bet that shuttling them outside in Minneapolis during all this global warming that's been going on where, it's, where it was literally five degrees outside. They sent them all outside for like an hour and they brought in the bomb-sniffing dogs and the bomb squad and the feds and everybody was in there to examine this bag. So they shut off the carousel and they very closely, you know, very carefully and cautiously went up to this pink beat-up bag that was going around and around. And they walk up to it and then they realize... They realize um, that maybe... Well, maybe uh, they probably should have realized this a little bit sooner. As it turns out, that beat-up pink bag is... Well, it belongs to the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport. See, what they do is whenever they get bags off a plane, whenever they send your baggage, your luggage off a plane, they you know, send it through a, a system that they have which sends it to the appropriate carousel and one of the bags that they send through is one of their own bags which has a tag on it, which goes, which tells the system where all the bags from Flight X are located. Now apparently... Nobody thought that, hey, this is one of our bags until they got really close to it. And they said, and it has a bag on it that says, "This is not your bag," and then it's got like the, um, you know, the MSP, the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport tag on it. Whoops. So um, I-, I see that the system's working. We're uh, we're doing a great job. Very vigilant. And uh, no, they, I, I thought that, I thought that that was perfect. So uh, may I just say congratulations yep. Congratulations to the Minneapolis St. Paul airport. You guys did a fantastic job, a bang up job. So in that vein, I, I want to um, continue this discussion. And I'm going to continue to lobby for this on the show for, uh, well, as long as it takes. And I I think that this is something that the American people should be demanding. And that is that um, Janet Napolitano, who is currently the Homeland Security, the Secretary of Homeland Security, she should not have her job. And I make this claim because, well, somebody needs to be fired and we're not going to fire Barack Obama. But I mean, who better to fire than the person that's in charge of security that let a guy, I mean, look. All the red flags were there the whole time on this Abdul uh, Matalab. Abdul Mitalab, Farouk Abdul Matalab, the guy that uh, set his underwear on fire and and, and actually caught the plane on fire. He caught the seat on fire and and there had to be a fire extinguisher. And then some passengers wrestled this guy to the ground. Well, his pants are on fire. A couple of guys still wrestled this guy down and dragged him into the first class cabin. And, uh, you know, continued beating him. And uh, then, of course, uh, the whole thing that transpired afterwards is, you know, Janet Napolitano comes out later that day and assures the American people that the system worked just so we don't misconstrue her words, and just so it doesn't seem like I'm I'm making it out to be like a witch hunter. These are her exact words. Uh, now listen to this, and you tell me if she did not say the system worked. Listen carefully. One thing
0: I'd like to point out is is that the system worked. Everybody played an important role here. The, the passengers and crew of the flight uh, uh-huh. took appropriate action. Uh, mm. Within uh, literally an hour to 90 minutes of the incident occurring, all 128 flights in the air had been notified to take some special measures uh, in light of what had occurred on the Northwest Airlines flight.
1: Okay, so uh, the system worked. Now, I know I've already sort of uh, mentioned this on previous shows, but I I just wanted to make sure that we got that out there, that that's her. Now, the next day, she said that she was taken out of context, and she meant that after the incident, the response that we've had, that the American people and the response that... uh, um, TSA and that the airports and that security have done after the incident law enforcement the way that they handled the situation that they that the system worked as far as all that went that's what she meant that's what she claimed she meant she was taken out of context well um, even if that's the case let's just say that I take her at her word what she said that's like saying um, well uh, Mrs. Lincoln aside from that how did you enjoy the theater I mean yeah well the response to the incident was great okay well that's fine but what about the fact that the incident occurred in the first place (laughs) i mean i was talking with jeff earlier today and uh, i I said yeah i mean that would be like if palo verde nuclear power plant melts down and uh there's you know an explosion and uh, everybody on the west side of phoenix is vaporized and and you know well you know, the way that the response teams evacuated the rest of the city and cleared everybody out, I mean, they did just fine. The response was excellent. You know, what about the fact that the plant melted down? Hey, 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 now now we're just splitting hairs here. Details, details. Don't bore me with your details. So um, that's a little bit of Jenna Napolitano, and I have to tell you that, that she, this is something I don't want to sit here and say I told you so. But, well, I'm going to sit here and say I told you so. She, I warned you that this was a person. I guess the only thing I can say is, the only thing I can say about this is, now you know what Arizonans have known for a long time about the incompetence of this governor. She she had an open borders policy while she was the governor of the state of Arizona. She becomes Homeland Security Secretary. And we knew that there was going to be issues with the border. But... I mean, who knew that letting this person in charge would uh, allow uh, such a security meltdown? Now, people are saying, well, wow, we're making a big deal out of it. Nobody died. I don't know. This isn't about whether or not people got killed. This is about another hole that Al-Qaeda has been able to find in our security that apparently we don't even know about. We don't even know about these holes in our own security. Let's recap, okay? Number one, we had people that flew planes into buildings, Okay. And nobody got fired over that. I mean, nobody in the Bush administration got fired. And I was screaming for people to get fired back then. And nobody got fired. Then we had the, um, we've had, uh, well, we've had several incidents since. I mean, we had a, a guy in Fort Hood who had uh, psychological history walk in. I mean, this is a military training facility. And, and this guy, he's, he's a nut job. He's part of Islam. We know that he could snap at any second. He walks in there and he shoots and kills, what, 13 people? Then we have a guy whose own father calls the U.S. Embassy in Nigeria. Warns the CIA about his son being a terrorist. The guy is placed on watch lists after trying to apply for a visa in the U.K. He's red flagged by the U.K., He's on a, uh, he he can't enter their, he can't enter England, okay? He can't enter their countries at all in the UK. And uh, yet, for some reason, even though he bought a one-way ticket for $8,500 in cash from Amsterdam to Detroit, carrying only one small carry-on bag, nobody thought it was at all suspicious that he had this Middle Eastern man between the ages of 16 and 40 who boarded a flight, he was never screened, he was never checked, he was never given any sort of rigorous inspection or questioning whatsoever. He just walked right on board. Right on. And then the the thing that makes it so that Jenna Napolitano should be fired is not even all these laps in security. Okay? It's the fact that then she gets on and looks the American people in the face. And she says...
0: One thing I'd like to point out is, is that the system worked. Everybody played an important role here. The-
1: yeah, the system worked. Okay. I mean, as soon as somebody says that, you're out and see. i fired. Gone. Later. No thanks. You know, send her the pink slip. I just I want to see some accountability, and we don't have accountability in this government. We've never, so far in the almost year now that Barack Obama has been the president, we have not seen accountability in the government. Whether it's accountability for holding Barack Obama to his promises, which I'm going to get into in just a moment, or if it's holding other people under Obama uh, accountable for what they've done, there's no accountability here. Where is the accountability? And in that vein, let me just shift topics for a second here. Let me just move on over, uh, if we can, to um, the issue of health care. So we still have the issue of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid having these closed door meetings to try and get the Senate bill to line up with the House bill so that they can vote on this. And get uh, healthcare pushed through as quickly as possible because they know that the clock is now ticking. They have about 11 months to get this done. And I say that because in November, the Democrats are already going to be losing potentially 11. Well, they're losing 11 people. Whether or not they actually lose 11 seats is hard to tell at this point. But uh, some members of the Democratic Party, some of these uh, senators, uh, some of these congressmen are defecting to the Republican Party. Some of them are retiring. Uh, So it's going to be a situation where there's a potential for 11 seats to be lost in the House and Senate uh, by the Democrats. And of course, with the midterm elections coming up and with congressional approval ratings being around 15%, that means 15% of Americans think that Congress is doing a good job right now. That's huge. And with, uh, with all the, um, with the president's approval rating dropping rapidly, people are not getting retained de- I don't think the Democrats I, I'm the more and more I'm I'm seeing this the more and more I'm thinking that the Democrats are just they're not going to be able to maintain their uh, dominance in the House and Senate I mean even if they still retain majority it will be a very slim majority they're not going to have the super majority that they have now the 277 to 100. 58 lead that they have in the House and the 60 to 40 lead they have in the Senate is not going to be there after November. It's not going to be there. So they only have a limited amount of time to get all this pushed through. And they realize that. And that's why they're having these closed door meetings. But Barack Obama promised that all of these meetings, there would be total transparency and we'd be able to see this on C-SPAN. Now, Again, so it doesn't sound like I'm piling on Obama, okay? I'm just holding him accountable for his promises. Okay, so here's what he said while he was on the campaign trail. These are clips spanning from January 31st of 2008 through November of 2008. So over 11 months during the campaign of two years ago when Barack was running for office and during various presidential debates and town hall meetings and interviews with journalists he said on more than one occasion that all of this stuff should be broadcast on C-SPAN and that the american people should see what's going on well here here he is these are these are his words exactly this is the following is a montage you're going to love this barack's promises
2: not negotiating behind closed doors but bringing all parties together uh, and Uh, broadcasting those negotiations on c-span so that the american people can see what the choices are because part of what we have to do is enlist the american people in this process i would put my plan forward and i would welcome input and say here are my goals reduce costs increased uh, quality uh, coverage for everybody if you have better ideas please present them but these negotiations will be on c-span Uh, And so the public will be part of the conversation and will see the choices that are being made. You know, I respect what the Clintons tried to do in 1993 in moving health reform forward. But they made one really big mistake, and that is they took all their people and all their experts into a room and then they they closed the door. We will work on uh, this process publicly. It'll be on C-SPAN. It will be streaming over the net. We'll have the negotiations televised on C-SPAN so that people can see who is making arguments on behalf of their constituents and who is make, who are making arguments on behalf of the drug companies or the insurance companies. But here's the thing. We're going to do all these negotiations on C-SPAN. So the American people will be able to watch these negotiations. Drug and insurance companies will have a seat at the table. They just won't be able to buy every single chair. And we will have a public uh... Process for forming this plan. It'll be televised on C SPAN. I can't guarantee it'll be exciting, so not mm-hmm. everybody's going to be watching it. Mm-hmm. But it will be transparent and accountable to the American people. To the drug and the insurance companies who are still going to have a lot of power uh, in Washington. And they're still going to try to block reforms from, from taking place. And so that's why I said, for example, that I want the negotiations to be taking place on C SPAN. So I'll put forward my plan, but what I'll say is, look, if you've got better ideas, I'm happy to listen to them. But all this will be done on C-SPAN, in front of the public. And One of my jobs as the president will be to guide this process so that it's an honest process.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. That is uh, at least eight different times where Barack Obama promised to put the negotiations, everything that had to do with health care, on C-SPAN and make it transparent. Did he not say that like eight different times? Did he not make that very well known? Because I uh, kind of think he did. I kind of think he made it pretty clear right there. Well, the White House yesterday came out and said, "Um, no, these are not going to be put on C-SPAN. The the president, we will not address any of the questions regarding this campaign promise either. More to the point, a reporter asked Nancy Pelosi herself about the promise that Barack Obama made. And this was was just before a press conference really got officially started yesterday. Um, And a reporter asked, said, hey, um, what do you think about this promise that Barack Obama made, and she she laughed. This, these are her words. I don't have the I don't have the audio bite. I'm still looking for it. I heard it yesterday, and I've read the transcript. And she said, "Well, the president promises a lot of things." That's what she said. <laughs> well, the president promises a lot of things. So. Let me ask, so the follow-up question for the reporters then is, all right, well, um, what, does, what promises does Barack Obama intend to keep and what ones are just a bunch of crap? What, do we know, what is he lying about? Does he plan on keeping any of his promises? Because we're still kind of waiting for the hope and change with this 10.2% unemployment. We're still kind of waiting for that, the, the hope and the change. and Because you know, I thought we were getting out of Afghanistan and Iraq, but wait, we, we sent 50,000 more troops. So I'm a little bit confused about about that, and uh, a little bit confused about a lot of things that are supposedly happening. But uh, I don't know. I'm. Um, I, I think people need to be. I don't care. And again, this isn't about Republican and Democrat. As we I, listen, I'm a registered Libertarian. Um, I think I was pretty critical of the Bush administration and I've been, and I've been very critical of Barack Obama and the administration and the Democrats and everything else. And listen, I can only be critical of the Democrats because they have all the power right now. Republicans can't do anything. They don't have any voice. They are in the minority right now. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah, they're impotent right now. They don't, you know, I'm sure there's something to be critical of, although right now they're kind of piling on, and with good reason they're piling on, Janet Napolitano. And with good reason they're piling on the fact that these are closed-door negotiations. Because closed-door negotiations mean no open debate. It means no uh, the, the American people, their representatives in Congress don't even get to talk about this health care bill anymore. It means that they're just going to slam it on through, just going to push it right on through there, so, yeah, the American people do have the right to know these things. They do. They have the right to see this. I mean, even if, look, and I know the, the one of the counter arguments is, well, I mean, how many people are really going to watch this on C-SPAN? Who cares? Who cares if one guy in Dubuque, Iowa, watches it? Okay? The point is, it's about fulfilling a promise that you said, and, and by the way, I mean, if, if the guy actually carried through with this promise, it would be tremendous. It would mean that there actually is transparency in the government. But we've already kind of chronicled the fact that that's a bunch of crap when uh, we had the health care bill that was put up. Uh, it wasn't put up days before uh, it was being voted. I was put up several hours before. American people didn't have a chance to read it. Hell, our own congressman didn't read it. The 1,079 page health care bill that was put up there. Nobody read that. Do you think a congressman sat there and for, you know, I just sat here the other day. Jeff was over here. He was, he was reading, a, uh, so what is it, Dean Koontz? Yeah. He was reading some Dean Koontz book. And uh, it was like, what, 700 pages? No, it was like 330 something. So it was like, okay, so you read like a 330 page book. And uh, what did it take you, like a day or two? Total about nine hours. And so about nine hours. All right. Now, Dean Kuhn's books, I think, read a lot easier than healthcare legislation. And the healthcare legislation was three times longer than that book. And they had uh, what five days before they put it to a vote or whatever. They kept drafting new drafts of it all the time, of course. So, but they wound up having three to five days to read a thousand some pages worth of healthcare legislation. Most of it referencing other legislation Most of it written in legal speak Certainly not as easy to read as a Dean Kuntz book You know I don't think it was written I think most of this is written on a, on a lawyer level <laughs> So The American people didn't have an opportunity to read it Congressmen didn't have an opportunity to read it Yet we're being promised uh, Transparency And that it'll be seen on C-SPAN No it won't be Because it hasn't so far and then the the snarky comments of Nancy Pelosi. Well, the president promises a lot of things, you bastards. Yeah, <laughs> you sons of bitches. <laughs> you know, that was um, that was that was some actual audio right there. I believe Nancy Pelosi. So, all right. That's just some of the stuff we've got. Okay, so um, that's that's the healthcare stuff. That's uh, a little bit of the more the broken promises. So uh, good, good for us. We're we're uh, we're looking we're looking good right now. All right. Um, let's see. Okay, I got I got to take a break here. What we're gonna do is we take a little pause here, and we'll um we'll we'll have uh, more stuff coming up on the show. We're gonna look at the top ten songs in the world of pop. A feature that we uh, did on the old show for a long time, and I figure we might as well keep you up to date, see, uh, check it on the pop chart. And I've got to warn you, this is a, a, a disclaimer that I'm going to put out there right now. All right. The, how should I put this? The most homosexual song that anybody has ever heard in the history of music is, in the, is on the pop chart this week. OK, it actually was at one point the number one song in the country, which which says that we have officially gone more gay than France. But I mean, this literally this is the gayest song. And I mean, I, I don't even mean that, I don't mean it in a pejorative way. I'm just saying that it is it is the, the well, you'll be the judge. OK, that'll be coming up. So I'm just throwing that out there as a disclaimer right now. Um, and, and we tried to look for other songs that rivaled this in, in gayness in, in, you know, uh, light in the loafers category, we could not find a song that beats this particular tune in, in terms of gay. So we will have that coming up. Um, and, uh, oh, speaking of wasteful government, uh, I gotta get into this. The first lady, Michelle Obama, I'm sorry, the woman that shall not be named, because of course if we point out Michelle Obama I I forget if we point out anything like this we are racist but I should just point out that Michelle Obama uh, is setting records um, for the most taxpayer dollars wasted by a first lady she has 26 assistants 26 various servants slash assistants that are at her beck and call at any time and you should see how much some of these people are getting paid and what their titles are well I'll tell you what they are coming up. You'll get to hear that. It's, uh, it, it's mind-bending. There's no... Um, there's no doubt about that. So that's coming up. A lot of stupid news. A lot of people doing some really dumb things. Just more evidence that evolution may very well have stopped. It's Michael Groff in Exile. You can get in contact with us, mike at kmgx.com, the email address. And um, michaelgroff.com has all of the relevant contact information for the program. Coming back, more Michael Groff in Exile, next. with segment number two here on Michael Groff in Exile, January 7th, 2010. MichaelGroff.com for all of our contact information. You'll find our email address, which, by the way, is Mike at KMGX.com. That's also, conveniently enough, the PayPal address. So, you know, if you want to donate generously to this program and uh, help it spread virally back across the interwebs, that would be greatly appreciated. Alright, so we have legitimate Nut jobs in the news. This is just some stuff from the Michael Graff Show Stupid News File. This is... I have to tell you that um, anybody who's ever dated a crazy person, this this goes to a whole new level of crazy. It's pretty funny. A uh, Missoula woman apparently distraught over the breakup of uh, with her boyfriend allegedly attacked the inside of his house with a mach- with a hatchet and a 45 caliber pistol earlier this week Camry n felon I think it's funny that her last name is felon 22 was arraigned on felony charges of criminal endangerment assault with a weapon and criminal mischief uh in the Rivali County um according to the Ravel uh, County Justice, Robin Clute. Felon was arrested at about 2 a.m. Sunday at a residence south of Darby. Uh, Earlier that evening, court records said that Felon had gone to her boyfriend's cabin south of Connor after drinking at the Connor Bar. The two quarreled over the mess that her dogs had made in the cabin. The boyfriend left and uh, said said that he then went to a, a friend's house which is a few miles away. Now, according to court records, here's what happened. Before following the dude in in her own vehicle, all right, this woman allegedly caused significant damage to the boyfriend's house. Uh, She took the hatchet, smashed it into the walls. Uh, She broke out all the windows. She shot the pistol several times into the wall, causing some damage there. Then she arrives at the friend's house. She follows the dude down to the friend's house. She raced the engine of the car, honked the horn, and demanded that her boyfriend come outside. And of course he wouldn't. He hid in the bedroom. He's like, I ain't going out there, crazy woman. So um, two other men that were in the house heard gunshots in the front yard. So she fired off the pistol into the air. The court record said that then felon became violent On previous occasions, and that in this particular case, she was, quote, mumbling some alcoholic influence threats. Um, So then she went inside the house. She broke in. She, uh, after shooting the boyfriend's truck, she uh, shoved, uh, she got inside. She shoved the boyfriend down on the couch. He tried to jump over the couch. He tried to escape. Then uh, the two men struggled with her in an attempt to calm her down. She bit one of them on the arm, causing a nasty cut. And then, um, you know, she just caused a a big fracas from there, and then she was arrested. By the time she was arrested, her blood alcohol level was .152, which is about twice the legal limit. She was also arraigned on uh, misdemeanor counts of driving under the influence, assault, and partner family member assault. Bond was set at $50,000. And if you think that's the only crazy, nutty girlfriend story we have, no, no, no. Let's move to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where a 31-year-old Myrtle Beach man told police that his 21-year-old girlfriend... See, that's the problem. Those 30, 30-year-olds going out with the 20-year-olds, always bad news. 20-year-olds are pretty stupid. But continuing... Um, the uh, the 21-year-old girlfriend threw an iron at him after he jokingly threw two pennies and crackers toward her when she asked for money according to a police report police were called at 7 p.m. wednesday to piper's point apartment at 1225 piper's point way for a disturbance according to a police report the man said that a woman came home that the woman came home and asked for money because she didn't have any and uh, the the dude then threw two pennies at her. Said, "Here's some money." That's when she got mad and she threw an iron. So there, that's uh, that's some uh, bat crap crazy chicks in the news. Good stuff. That's not all though. We have uh, we have more. Um. Here's another just crazy uh, individual. This now this is here's the the we have coming up in just a minute. I'm going to tell you about the parent of the year, but first we have the criminal of the year so far. Prosecutor began an opening statement by asking, "Where's the beef?" reprising, of course, the old uh, Wendy's slogan from the '80s. Uh, he then convinced the jury that Mark Zachary. 51, had the beef, which was an $80 side of New York strip under his shirt as he was leaving the Reed supermarket in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Now, Zachary is going to prison for 10 years after being given the maximum sentence for shoplifting. Uh, This was, by the way, the third offense, the old three strikes you're out thing. So this $80 piece of steak, this $80 steak is going to cost him 10 years of his life. According to the police report, Zachary fled when the store manager approached him about the bread box sized side of beef under his shirt. Of course, what happened was he fled. He he left the scene. He ran, of course, writing to an off-duty police officer, Kevin Dukes, who was entering the store. On the stand during the two-day trial, Zachary denied that he was stealing the meat. Instead, he was arguing that he was massaging it. He said he was, yeah, you know, I can't possibly but get honor. I ain't guilty because I wasn't stealing it. I was just massaging it. That's what you do with meat, you know. You, yeah, you, you massage it. That is for That's fantastic. That's the best defense I've ever heard in my. Your honor, I wasn't stealing the meat. I was just massaging my meat. Oh yeah, that was some good meat. Hmm. Well, all I was trying to do is I was just trying to, you know, I was trying to get it all ready. I was tenderizing it. <laughs> I was tenderizing the meat, Your Honor. Which I was doing? That's uh, that's that's incredible. That's that's just that's I. <sighs> that's the craziest thing ever. All right, um, then there's this. Um, we have some diet advice from Megan Fox. Megan Fox is offering up some diet advice. I don't know if you've heard about this. This is, uh, this is great. So I guess she's telling people to drink vinegar to cleanse their cleanse their system. You know, it helps clean you out. Now, why anybody would take any advice from any celebrity whatsoever is beyond me. I've never... Uh, gotten that whole trend of, hey, let's follow the diet advice of Celebrity X. Let's follow Paris Hilton's diet advice because it's got to be good, right? Because she, she said it and she's a celebrity and she's important and she's on TV and in magazines and stuff. So it must be good, right? <laughs> no, no, not not so good. Health experts are saying that you really ought to steer clear of the advice of Megan Fox. Listen, if I want to know how to somehow parlay having below-average intelligence into an acting career, then I'll go to Megan Fox. If I want to talk about sitting there and looking good and thinking that everybody thinks I'm the hottest thing ever, even though I think it's kind of overrated, even though if I want to go to that that person, like, I'm the hottest thing ever, I will go to Megan Fox. I'll, I'll take advice from her. If I want diet advice, I might go to a nutritionist. I might go to somebody that... Or you know what I might do? I might just not eat. How about saying no every once in a while? How about pushing the chair away from the table. Mix in a salad. The Transformers star has been blasted for hailing the benefits of swigging vinegar. She recently said, quote, like, it just cleanses out your system entirely. It will get rid of, you know, for women, like, who retain water weight from your menstrual cycle and all that. It gets rid of it like really fast. (laughs) I'm not one for like dieting or exercising because I'm lazy and I have like a really big sweet tooth. So like I have to do cleanses every once in a while because like of the amount of sugar I take in. (laughs) Cool, huh? That's Megan Fox's quote. Maybe with a few less likes. However, experts in the field have dismissed Megan's claims. Insisting that there is not a single form of vinegar in existence that will help dieters lose weight, dietitian Lucy Jones, after you know vomiting and and throwing up from this advice and uh, being absolutely mortified, said quote, "As attractive as it sounds, there is no magic pill, lotion, or potion for a quick fix to weight loss. The body, including the liver, is a well oiled detoxing machine which will." Which will not be improved by vinegar, whether it be organic, apple cider, unfiltered, or your, uh, your bog standard malt vinegar. Yeah. Again, I don't know who takes dieting advice from celebrities. If you do, you're probably just as stupid as Megan Fox. Well, she said that if I drink vinegar... By the way, have you ever tried to drink vinegar? I mean, just the smell of vinegar is just disgusting. Who would, I mean, you know, balsamic vinaigrette is like the, that's, that's like the closest thing I've come to vinegar. That's, you know, that's with a salad, which again, you might want to mix in if you're needing diet advice, you know, here, uh, stop eating. Don't drink so much beer slash alcohol. Lay off the soda. Dieting is pretty easy. I mean, it's hard in that, you know, it requires willpower, but you know, doing the right thing, knowing what to do is not really all that difficult. Whatever you're doing now, if you're okay, if you're fat and you wonder why you're fat, whatever you're doing now is what's making you fat. So don't do it. I don't know. It seems really easy to me. Like my diet book would be very short. It wouldn't I dunno, I, I I might not have a bestseller because my diet book would be like three pages. It would just be a couple of simple steps. Um, one, say no. Like if somebody asks you for seconds, nah, you know what? I'm good. No, thanks. If you feel hungry in the middle of the night for a snack, don't. Don't eat. Uh, if, if you have the choice between like hamburger or salad, choose salad. In fact, just choose salad regularly and um, might want to actually get up and mix in an exercise once in a while. Drop in a, you know, maybe a Stairmaster or a treadmill. Maybe go for a walk once in a while. Take in some fresh air. There is a world outside. Take a look at it. You don't even have to go outside, really. You just walk around your house 185 times. Run and play. Do sit-ups. How many? I don't know. Until you can't actually move anymore. And when you get the urge to eat, don't drink a, lot of water. drink a yeah. Drink a lot of water. If you feel like drinking soda, don't. Want some beer? Don't. There, there's your diet advice. You want a piece of cake? Yeah, you can have one, once a year. There. Well, I'm giving you the hard. This is the hard-nosed. This is the hardcore diet. There. That's 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 it. That's the book. The, the title of the book will be called Mix in a Salad or I'm Full. It's borrowing a line from Charles Barkley. That was from back when uh, Oliver Miller used to play for the Phoenix Suns and Oliver Miller was known as the Big O. He's one of these dudes. He had amazing, he's like super talented, amazing basketball talent. And I'll use the word amazing. to describe, He really was. He was a very talented player. But he was a big guy. He always kept eating. And, and Charles Barkley would say, man, that's terrible. No, he would say uh, that Oliver Miller was really, he, he could be a great player if he just would learn two words, I'm full. You know, the dude ballooned up. He was like 360 pounds or so. He was huge. I mean, just a huge, huge guy. And it got to the point where he had all this skill, but he just couldn't move. It's pretty, hard to, it's pretty hard to get elevated to dunk a ball, even if you are as big as Oliver Miller was, when you've got 300 and some pounds dragging you back to earth. You know, I mean, I don't care what kind of shoes you're wearing, unless they have rockets in them, you're not going to be able to dunk. And you're probably not going to be able to move across the court very quickly either poor guy. I mean, I I really felt bad for Oliver Miller. I I mean, but the problem was he sort of did it to himself. Dude loved burgers and he loved pasta and he loved carbs. He loved everything. He was on the seafood diet. He saw food. He ate it. Everything this guy saw. I mean, he was, I mean, it's not even a pick on the guy. He was just, he had a, had a, an issue. The issue was he loved food and who doesn't? I love food. I love food. Sometimes you got to hold yourself back a little bit. I mean, if you're fine being a fat guy, then be a fat guy. But if you want to go on a diet, don't take your diet advice from Megan Fox. Come on. Be smarter than that. All right, here. Here's the father of the year 2010. All right, this is the... So far, we're seven days in. All right, seven days into the year, father of the year. An Ohio father is facing a felony charge actually, he's facing several charges for allegedly putting his seven-year-old daughter in the dryer. Not only did he put his daughter in the dryer, he then closed the door and turned on said dryer. Prosecutors told the Cleveland uh, station Fox 8 uh, that the girl told her school teacher that her dad put her in the dryer. The school, of course, contacted child services and charges were then filed. Quote, there's no explaining this type of activity. Why any individual would place any human being or any animal or anything in, in a dryer is unexplainable. And to a normal thinking person, there's no explanation. And obviously the man has issued issues, said uh, Mike O'Malley, who is the uh, first assistant to Cuyahoga County prosecutor Bill Mason. Quote, if you're capable of putting your child in a clothes dryer, you're probably capable of a lot of... Terrible things. Prosecutors say it wasn't the first time the girl who, is, uh, who has a condition that stunts her growth was put in the dryer, Fox8.com reported. Well, yeah. Probably the reason uh, that she has these conditions in the first place is because her dad probably perpetually put her in the dryer or the wash machine or the dishwasher or, or the or the trash compactor. Steve McLaren faces two counts of endangering children felonious assault kidnapping and domestic violence he faces up to 33 years behind bars and you know what hope he gets every year of it hope he gets every single year didn't oj get 33 years good this guy should be right there as far as i'm concerned when you do something there's not there's not an electric chair that has enough volts for you I'm sure the hottest place in hell is reserved for people like this. If there's a hell, it's it's got to be the really hot place that's all set for you. Man. Well, there you go. Parent of the year. Congratulations, dude. Alright, Mike at KMGX.com The email address If you want more instant gratification You can always send me a message on AOL Instant Messenger Michael Groff, show the screen name You like our podcast, tell people about it Tell people about MichaelGroff.com That's where you can go and check it out All the time We'll try to keep them going We'll see what we can do It's Michael Groff in exile We'll be back Michael Groff in exile on a Thursday, January 7th, 2009, 2010. Yes, 2010. Thank you. Thought you had me. Mike at kmgx.com. Email address Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. Should you... the need to communicate that way. Also up on the Facebook, at least until I delete my Facebook account, which I swear to God, I'm going to do one of these days. I don't know. And my MySpace and all that crap. I don't
0: know. You
1: know, speaking of people that have messed up lives, And I mean, I don't even know. This is just, this is really sad. So I don't know how many of you have heard about this or how many of you care about this or know of it, but uh, you may be familiar with comedian Artie Lang. He's, of course, best known now for being um, part of the Howard Stern show. And he had been out from the show for a while now. Um, He took a few days off before they went on their Christmas vacation, and now uh, he hasn't been back since... Uh, the show got back from vacation and um, well it turns out there's quite a reason he apparently attempted to commit suicide he stabbed himself nine times according to the article that's uh, in the New York Post he stabbed himself nine times six of these stab wounds are believed to be uh, what they call hesitation cuts or something and they, but Three very serious cuts Deep cuts And uh, he He did not uh, Succeed in killing himself His mother found him In his Hoboken apartment But That's pretty serious He's in the hospital right now So That's just That's very sad You know It I have to tell you, as somebody who has my own depression issues, I can tell you that it always kind of boggles my mind how somebody that really has the world by the tail has any kind of uh, real sort of hardcore depression issues like Artie Lang has. It doesn't make any sense to me. The guy is on the most prominent radio show in, in history. Um, He makes good money from that. He makes great money from his appearances on the road. I mean, he's got... uh, Money is really not an issue. Financially, it's not really an issue. Now, I understand you've got a lot of people that glom on to you and want to get a piece of that, and you don't know how sincere people are, you know. So I understand that. And there's a lot of personal issues. And I know the guy has had, you know, some... He's trying to get a girlfriend. He had a girlfriend now for a while, and I don't know if she left him. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what, I don't claim to know what goes on in the personal life there. So I'm sure there's certainly stresses and struggles. I know the guy, you know, the more important thing is that he struggled with um, heroin, you know, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. And uh, that's tough. And it it really shapes, it changes your mind. It makes you think some pretty messed up things. But um, I, I, I don't know. A guy that seems to have it all together, you, it makes you wonder what can possibly screw up a guy's life so badly that it makes them want to do themselves in. Makes you want to stab yourself. I don't I don't get it. You know, I, I listen, I, if I had the... And I guess it's very easy for me to say, you know, I don't know. But if you drop $10 million in my lap and said, here, h- have fun... I would probably still have some of the issues I have now, and one of the one of the major ones would still be there. I know that. So it wouldn't money wouldn't solve all my problems, but I will tell you, it would it would help. It would help. If I had the prominence, if I had the I would at least be part of a successful radio program. I'd at least have one of my goals accomplished. Yeah, I may not have a relationship, which is ultimately what you know, one of those things you want. You want love, but still I don't know. If I had millions of dollars, if I had a, a, a good gig going for me, if I had a way to make money and I had people, executives from Fox, and if I had people wanting to get me on TV shows and I've appeared in movies and I got royalty checks that come in and all that, I don't know. It'd be pretty hard for me to be too disappointed or too depressed. People want to hang out with me. I don't know. It seems like Seems like you'd have a, a good life going, but listen, I don't know that that's, I got to tell you, that's a really kind of shocking thing. When I heard about that today, I, it really, um, it really gave me pause. I was, uh, I was very taken aback by the whole thing. All right. So that's the news on Artie Lang. If you heard about that, if you haven't, uh, check it out. There's, uh, there's a couple of articles about that. They're circulating around and I don't know. I'm just speculating, I guess. Alright, so we go from that to something a little bit lighter This is uh, something that we did on the old show And I, I guess we're going to continue it here And uh, that's to To keep you up to date on what's happening In the world of pop music We take a look at the top 10 songs In the world of CHR That stands for Contemporary Hit Radio Better known as Top 40 The top 10 songs Pop, pop, pop music pop, 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 pop music These are the top 10 songs in the world of CHR pop, the top 40 chart, if you will, uh, provided by Media Base 24-7. These are based on official airplay, radio airplay. All right. So whatever the uh, the radio stations are playing, the pop stations are playing across the country. These are the 10 most played songs. All right. So I think I've over-explained a bit enough. All right. I don't know. I used to explain this bit and people still didn't get it. So I always feel like I have to over-explain everything. That's... It's one of my many issues that maybe I'll see a psychologist about one day if I ever could afford it. All right. uh, Number 10 on the chart for uh, this week is uh, this is still on the chart. Now, when I was doing the show before I went on hiatus, before we had all the problems and everything, this was on the chart in September. I can't believe this is still here. But somebody named Jay Sean and Lil Wayne at number 10 this week with a song called Down. This song is horrible. Baby, are you down? I hate it. Wow. This is the number 10 song in the country.
0: Tonight is night to let
1: Unbelievable.
0: Put on a show. show, show. I want to see how you lose control. So leave it behind, because we have a night to get away.
1: All right, terrible. Number nine is uh, Kelly Clarkson. She's apparently made it back on to the countdown. I thought it was over for her. But I guess not. This is a song called Already Gone.
0: Remember all the things we wanted. Now all our memories, they're haunted. We were always meant to say goodbye. Even with our fists held high, never
1: sounds like just about every other kelly clarkson song it sounds just like a lot of other pop records i don't i don't see the the prominence here but i guess it's doing pretty well
0: all
1: right number eight somehow this is gonna annoy you as probably about as much as it annoyed me but britney spears is back again with another terrible song that sounds just like Circus and every other song she's released lately, but this is called Three.
0: Circus! One, two, three.
1: Three, as in the age of the person that would like this song.
0: If it's all right. What
1: do you say? More. Circus. This sounds like circus. I'm sorry. You in, All right, number seven isn't much better. Number seven is Jay-Z with Empire State of Mind. And uh, yeah, here comes the mandatory yeah. yeah. There it is. Yeah.
0: I'm yeah. Up in Brooklyn. Now I'm down in TriBeCa right next to the narrow, but I'll be hood forever. I'm the new Sinatra, And since I made it here, I can make it anywhere. Yeah, they love me everywhere. I used to cop in Harlem. All of my d right no. there up on Broadway. Pull me back to that McDonald's. Naming up a bunch of places.
1: That's 60's. all over, 60's 60's over the tri-state. Like yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. it's uh. down Eighth Street. Oh. Uh. driving
1: so slow, yeah. is from Texas. Me up best. I. Home Name in random places: North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Montana. Still
0: sipping top sitting courtside uh. next Nets. Give me high five. I be spiked out.
1: I could trip a referee. Tell by my attitude that I'm most definite. Boca, New Jersey. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Mandatory female singer. Oh. Uh. Is this awful me at the X
0: with
1: o. Like who Who listens to this Honestly Alright Yeah Yeah Jason Derulo Is number six With Whatcha say Coming in six Other uh, crappy Piece of crap Countdown It's the top 40 songs In the country
0: horrible
1: does every song have to sound the same does it all have to have that digital effect on everybody's voice
0: Though. but when I become a star we'll be living so large I do anything for you okay whatever so tell me girl What'd you
1: say? all right david something called David Guetta featuring acon is at number five with sexy chick ooh all right let's let's fast forward to the hook really if there is one I'm
0: trying
1: to Just dance, gonna be okay. Dada doo dance. See, all these songs sound the same. Yeah. Damn, you sexy chick. You sexy
0: chick. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh. Damn.
1: Okay. Now I have to the following the following disclaimer must be made before I play the number 4 song in the countdown. The number 4 song was so so gay. Jeff actually had to leave. He actually he just bailed. He left. All right, the number four song in the country. This is on the pop chart, all right? Number four song is officially the gayest. It is the most homosexual song I have ever heard in my life. And before you think that I'm making this up, I'm going to play it as much of it as I can, particularly the lyrics are, are just... I don't think it gets... Any more effeminate than this That's the best word I can use to describe it This is a very effeminate song There's no way a straight guy likes this song It's Owl City Fireflies Number 4 I don't know Some dude named Adam Young is the vocalist It's like a side project or something This guy lived in his mom's basement And made all these songs Literally
0: believe your eyes if 10 million fireflies lit up the world as i fell asleep
1: i hear people going metrosexual now
0: open air and leave teardrops everywhere you'd think me rude but i would just stand and stare stare i'd like to make myself believe Stay awake when I'm asleep.
1: All right, coming up is the lyric that just made Jeff. He just couldn't believe that this was in here. There it is.
0: Cause I get a thousand hugs from 10,000 lightning bugs. <laughs> they tried to teach me how to dance. <laughs>
1: Do you think this guy knows how many points a field goal is in football? Do you think he knows Andre Dawson was elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame today? But he does know how to get a thousand hugs from 10,000 lightning bugs. (laughs) Take me away from here. I'll bet. I
0: feel like such an insomniac. Please take me away from here. Why do I tire of counting sheep? Okay. take me away from here. We're not far too tired to fall asleep.
1: All right, it gets worse. Number three is uh, something by Keisha featuring Pitbull. Tick tock.
0: Baby, life is a race. Just make sure you make a pit stop. stop. Mm-hmm. Circus,
1: I think we heard enough of that. All right, number 2 is a song. I have to again warn you, this is performed by a man who is uh, oh, I'm sorry, it's a it's a it's a chick. No, it's a man. Well, I'm not sure what it is, but it is Lady Gaga. This this Lady Gaga has she has like 10 songs on the top 40, I think. I don't know. She has quite a career, he whatever it is has quite a career going. Anyway, regardless um Yeah, here's Lady Gaga at number two with Bad Romance. Finger has to be longer than her index finger. Actually, it is. <inaudible> <inaudible>
0: uh,
1: oh, yeah. Sounds like Jenna Napolitano. Uh, these songs are pretty infectious. That la 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 la, that part got stuck in my head today. I have to admit, uh, it's terrible. It's terrible music. It's it's a blight on the industry. But there's not a good song in the top ten. Into it, huh? Yeah. You and me
0: could write a bad romance.
1: You and me could write a bad. Oh, I'm sorry, that's my male side coming out. I don't know. I'm fascinated by the song. What could I tell
0: you?
1: This is the number two song in the country. That's kind of... Some people used to ask, why didn't we play like the top ten songs in Alternative or Hot AC or some other format? But I just think the pop format is just... Um... I think it's more fascinating... <laughs> People like 18 to 34 supposedly are listening to this. I don't believe it but
0: Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. See, I could sing with the Lady Gaga tunes because well, we're both we both have something in common. We both have a penis. Lady Gaga, ooh-la-la, what romance. Romance, wow, yeah, Lady Gaga. Anyway, that's uh, Lady Gaga, number two on the um, pop chart. All right, so here is the, uh, I guess this is the number, this is, wow, this is the number one song on the pop chart for the week. I don't even know how to say this, is this, I Yaz, I Yaz. I've heard of Yaz, but not I Yaz. Anyway, the song is called Replay.
0: Shorty's like a melody in my head that I can't keep.
1: On, Shorty's like a melody in my head. Shorty, I guess, is a chick. <laughs>
0: Remember the first time we met you Speaking of gay All these
1: hip-hop guys, they try to be macho And, you know, they're all singing these really effeminate, wussed-out songs Like, I almost missed the days where they would come out and be like Yo, mother, yeah, I'm gonna bust up some bitch ass I'm gonna shoot some cop in the face Now, they don't do that anymore I... Oh girl come on over to my place treat you right, i'm never gonna commit domestic violence i'm the greatest guy take off my shoes at the front door ah like a
0: melody in my
1: Send you flowers on your birthday Treat you right I promise I won't impregnate 15 other chicks Won't do drugs Not gonna smoke pot around your mother Treat her right Won't say bad words like shit Doing
0: things I never
1: do I'm in the kitchen cooking things she likes Yeah, he's cooking things Yeah, right Come on, show me one of these hip-hop dudes that could cook yeah, I'ma make you beef stroking off
0: Yeah Got my George
1: Foreman grill She's running through my
0: mind all day Hey, shawty's like a melody in my head That I can't keep out. Got me singing like Na-na-na-na, every day's like my eyeballs Like a replay, replay Shawty's like a melody in
1: my head I'm sitting here marinating a steak Na-na-na-na, every day's like my
0: eyeballs Oh
1: my God, this is way. so bad. All right, so that's your look at the pop chart for the week. Wow. Terrible. A melody, a Come on, you, you show me a good song in that in that list. The worst song is that Owl City song, that Fireflies. I'd rather listen to this over Fireflies. But I mean, they're all... The, the thing is... And I've made this observation before. I mean, all these songs are pretty effeminate. Our culture is very femme. I think Al-Qaeda could kick our ass. I'm starting to think that based on our music, maybe it's very possible that Al-Qaeda is just about ready to tip. Maybe that's why they want to blow us up. They want to light Listen, we've got nothing against it. The United States used to be strong, but now they're just a bunch of pussies listening to this crap. Like, I mean, listen, I'm, I, there's plenty of wussy music, like, you know, kind of uh, wussier, lighter tunes that I like. Don't get me wrong, okay? I'm all, I can listen to Foreigner, all right? There's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with softer, lighter tunes, okay? There's nothing wrong. I'm just saying that these aren't, this is just femme. This is, I don't know, it's a a very um, metro sexualization of the culture. I don't know why we need to do that shouty like a memory oh. sure thing buddy and then these guys are going to be the same dudes that go up yeah man what the hell going on yeah i wrote this new song it's you know it's uh, it's positively influenced my career but you best not be stepping up to me mother because i blast your mother hell and ass right in the face bitch Man, sit down. They're going to be all chopping. like, Man, sit down, bitch. I got to record this song. Shout it like a memory. Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to cook you a dinner that you really liked. Marinated steaks all goddamn days, bitch. Oh, sorry, that slipped in. Is that it? Are we out of here? Can we leave? <laughs> that's a look at the pop chart for the week. The uh, the top 10 songs in the world of pop. That's uh, according to MediaBase 24-7. Um, and we'll try to make that a regular feature on the show. In spite of my better judgment, it's something that we used to do on the show all the time, so might as well keep that up. Oh, yeah, I have to tell you about this. This is just outrageous. So we've talked about government spending and government waste and Obama administration everything like that, but Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama has taken government waste to a new height. It must be nice to be the first lady. It must be. You know, it used to be in the old days. Um, I remember, uh, well, I, I remember hearing about um, Mrs. Lincoln, who was crucified because she bought China for the White House back in like 1861. She bought China for the White House during the Civil War, and she was roundly criticized for that. There was Mimi Eisenhower. She, shell out, she shelled out salary out of her own pocket for a personal secretary, but now now, uh, Michelle Obama has 26 people that, uh, are at her beck and call at all times. And let me just list off. I just want to do this because this is just funny. She has 26 people at her disposal. Okay. And let me just read off, uh, not only who these people are, how much they make. All right. Her chief of staff makes $172,000 a year. That's Susan Sher. Okay. Then Uh, You have Jacqueline Fry, who makes $140,000 a year. That's the Deputy Assistant to the President and Director of Policy and Projects for the First Lady. Then there's Desiree Rogers, or Desiree Rogers, who makes uh, $113,000 a year. She's the Special Assistant to the President and White House Social Secretary. Then... There's Camille Johnson who makes $102,000 a year as the special assistant to the president and director of communication for the First Lady. There's Melissa E. Winter who also makes $102,000 a year special assistant to the president and deputy chief of, chief of staff to the First Lady. Then making $90,000 a year there's David Medina who's the je- deputy chief of... Wow. The deputy chief of staff to the First Lady. Then... Um, There's Cheyenne uh, Lelyfield, who makes $84,000 a year as the director and press secretary to the First Lady. Then there's Francis Starkey, making $75,000 a year, the director of scheduling and advance for the First Lady. At $70,000 a year is somebody named Trooper Sanders, who is the (laughs) deputy director of of policy and projects for the First Lady. I thought they already had one of those. I mean, I thought, oh, whatever. Uh, $65,000 a year is uh, good old Aaron Bourneau, who is the Deputy Director and Deputy Social Secretary. A lot of deputies. Yeah, more deputies than the Phoenix Police Department. Uh, Joseph Ranstein, Rheinstein who is the Deputy Director and Deputy Social Secretary, another one. You got at $62,000 a year, you have Jennifer Goodman, who is the Deputy Director of Scheduling and Events Coordinator for the First Lady. By the way, I want want to point out that all of this money that you're hearing me read off, all these uh, salaries, this is all taxpayer dollars that are being funded for the 26 servants for the First Lady. Alan Fitz, making $60,000 a year as the Deputy Director of Advance... And trip director for the first lady, Dana Lewis, making sixty thousand a year as the special assistant and personal aide to the first lady. Um, then you have somebody named Samanti Matstafi, who makes fifty-two thousand five hundred dollars a year as the associate director and deputy press secretary to the first lady. Kristen Darvis is the special assistant for scheduling and traveling aid to the first lady. A lot of travel aides, a lot of scheduling secretaries. That person makes $50,000 a year. Then there's Tyler Lechenberg, who is the associate director of correspondence for the first lady. So this is like somebody that you know, does all the correspondence, the emails and the, and the snail mail and all that for the first lady. Then there's Samantha Tubman, who is the deputy associate director of social office, I guess. Then at $40,000 a year, there's Joseph Boswell, executive assistant to the chief of staff of the First Lady. So some of the people, some of these servants, some of these chief of, some of the staff members have their own assistants. So there's assistants that have assistants. Isn't that funny? Sally Ambruster, making $36,000 a year as the staff assistant to the social secretary. Again, another assistant with an assistant. Natalie Bookie, staff assistant, making thirty-six dollars a year. Dalila Jackson, deputy associate director of correspondence for the first lady, another person that answers mail, making $36,000 a year. Isn't that outrageous? I'm sorry, but I, I thought... I thought we were getting change. I, I don't know. I, this By the way, this is an unprecedented amount of people. No other first lady has ever had this many people working for her in the history of the United States. Well, I guess this is a historic president, so why not go all out? Might as well have a, a historic amount of money being spent. I don't see why not. Hey, man, if you're going to go for it, you might as well go for it makes sense. I'm bewildered at present. You'll have to forgive me, okay? I'm... I'm a little shocked, but then again, I'm not really shocked. It's government spending at its finest. I get a thousand hugs from 10,000 lightning bugs. I'm sorry. That's still... Still stuck in my head. I, I'm, I know, that's just not at all related, but... Wow. I kinda. I kinda wanna leave the country after I hear (laughs) that. That's our music. I think that guy's from Minnesota. Alright, whatever. First lady spending aside, bad music aside. Listen, it was a, a fine show. Another fine edition of Michael Groff in Exile is in the books. Want to get in touch with us? Mike at KMGX.com is the email address. You can also uh, do it via AOL Instant Messenger for more instant gratification. Michael Groff show the screen name over there. Keeping in mind all of the contact information and more is available at MichaelGroff.com. That's where you go. If you uh, just you want to find out more about the show, you want to find out more about me. Well, if you want to find out more about me, just ask me. Because, I don't know, the site's not really all that up to date or anything. But you can certainly listen to our podcast. Subscribe. If you like the podcast, keep spreading the word. Keep it going. Keep the viral thing happening. That's kind of what we're supposed to be doing here, I think. All right, so we're back tomorrow with another edition of uh, this fine thing that we do, Michael Graffin Exile. Thanks for checking us out. We do it all. Uh, we try to do it weekdays. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm fighting. All right, I'm, I'm keeping it going. Regardless, have a great night. See you tomorrow. If, uh, if we still have a, a country tomorrow, if, if Janet Napolitano. Uh, can keep us safe for another day, the good Lord willing. We'll see. See you tomorrow.
0: The system worked. Everybody played an important role here.